So we've all, we've all uh, had some issues at times. And Wednesday night, uh, we, were, we were talking, and I don't know how it got on that subject, but anyway, it got on the subject of being hurt in church, you know. And that's one of the worst places, I think, to be hurt. You know, our family and then our church family, that's a family too. And we, we were able to pray, and, and it was a great, great Wednesday night Bible study that lasted for three hours. And half of that was prayer time. I loved it. Couldn't go out to eat anywhere special afterwards, but hey, that's okay. We got, we, we got to spend time with each other, and I'm, I'm really good with that. But trust is a big wor- a word in our world today. You know, when we went through the election, you know, what, what, what did we do in elections? Who do you trust more? Do you trust this candidate more, or do you trust that candidate more? Do I trust what this candidate says or that candidate? And sadly enough, most of the time they're lying to us. Both of them are lying to us because <laughs> they get in there and they don't do anything about what they say they're going to do. But it, it's more than that. Who, who do you trust? I mean, in Mom L, that's a good question. I was talking to uh, one of our businessmen the other day at a chamber event, and he said, you know, I, go, I, I, I like to go around and knock on people's doors in Mom L and, you know, talk to them and tell them who I am, what I'm about, and that I'm here for them. I'm here to help them. He's a financial advisor. Uh, just a real nice guy, uh, ex-military, and he says, man, I'll come up the door before I even knock on the door, man, people are diving behind their couches because they don't want anybody to know they're home. It's like, boy, if I open the door, who's going to be at the door? You know, maybe I'm going to have, maybe it's going to be a serial killer. They're going to dump my body behind Kroger over here or something, you know, in, the, in, in you know, it's such a nice city. But, you know, we don't, we, we don't trust. We have more than anything in the world, you know, we just saw with, with in Nicaragua, Nicaragua, I'll say it right. Uh, we we saw here that that you got houses with doors that that that's not a, it's a doorway. There's no door on it. There's no windows on it. You know you've got churches that 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 don't have any walls. That maybe just if they're lucky they got a roof. You've got a woman who just sounds like she just stapled her house together and but then took all of her money to give to the church took that money to give to the church but here we got houses and we got cars and we got money and, and, and we have no trust we have to lock our doors what if somebody was to do something to us we can't open our doors connie's been talking about going around Mel and, and knocking on doors and praying for people and the problem is i don't know if we can get people to open the door and, and secondly i don't even know, it might be against the law Mel to knock on doors like that because you have to have a permit but why do we lock our doors? We lock our doors because we don't trust what's on the outside. Right? We don't trust what's on the other side of that door. What's going to happen? And I'm not advocating for not being safe. I think we should be safe. But we have trust issues. Even when we have everything that we need, we have trust issues. One of our neighbors, uh, she was talking to Christy. Christy, you know, Christy has no trust issues. She trusts everybody. <laughs> Sometimes that might not be a good thing. She goes, she's going around to our neighbors and, and meeting our neighbors. I mean, our neighbors don't know each other. Our, our cul-de-sac when we got in there was people who lived next to each other for four years, didn't even know their names. And within about three months after we moved in there, everybody in the cul-de-sac knew each other because Christy and the girls. But she's talking to another neighbor down the street, and she says, yeah, man, oh, I'm just so glad to meet somebody. Somebody who wants to talk to me is so good. Says this neighbor across the street from me, I've been trying to get to know them, but they drive in and then they close the garage before they ever get out of the car. 
I never can talk to them. I think that person has some real bad trust issues. <laughs> but we, we run into that. But as we go into trust issues, we're going to talk about a few things. With some, a lot of times we're that way with God. We have a problem trusting God. But the Bible implicitly tells us to do that. Proverbs 3, 5, you'll see it up here on the screen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not depend on your own understanding. That's easier said than done, though. You know, when we have a big check, and we say, you know, RC's going to Nicaragua, and the, if all the money's there for it, that's easy to do. But if God says, go to Nicaragua and do this, sometimes it gets a little bit difficult if it's not already set up. And so we began to look at God, and we begin to say, if God, God, if I don't have it, then I'm not supposed to do it. If I don't have the money, if I don't have the vehicle for it, if I don't have the means to do it, I, I'm not supposed to do it. See, if you've been reading along with this, there's another man who had the same issue. His name is Moses. And we're going through the Bible in one year, and... Uh, Moses, we just we have just got finished reading a lot about Moses in the Exodus part of, of it, where he where the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt and now they're headed on out. But let's refresh the story here. Because we have this person, Moses, and sometimes we forget the backstory of who he was. Moses, remember, he was a baby born during a time where all the babies were condemned to die. The male babies were condemned to die. But his mother, his mother kept him for three months, put him, and when it, she couldn't have him any longer, put him in a basket in the water and shipped him off down, down the river there. So she takes, tells her daughter, go and follow. Let's, I just want to know what happens to him. I just want to know. Notice something. The mom didn't go. But, you know, the mom would have been out there swimming pull him out of the water but she knew what she had to do she felt this was the right thing to do so follow along in the process Moses gets picked up by Pharaoh's daughter and then Moses's sister runs over there and says oh hey do you need somebody to keep the baby let me take you back let, let, let me let me uh, introduce you oh yeah yeah okay this person will take care of Pharaoh's daughter was none none the wiser she didn't know have any idea that it was Moses's mom that would be taking care of him so Moses was raised up, and then he became part of Pharaoh's court, Pharaoh's house. And then one day he's going out, and, and here's Moses. He's probably been trained, and, you know, he's probably been trained to fight. He's probably pretty knowledgeable. But he goes out, and somebody is beating uh, one of his people, uh, one of the soldiers are, one of the slave drivers, whatever they're called. And he kills this person and buries him in the sand because he, you know, he didn't want anybody to find out. But the next day he comes out and they have found out. Some of his people have found out. And he tries to stop a quarrel and he they says, oh, what are you going to do? Kill us like you did that Egyptian? Now here's something I just want to tell you. Some people get mis mixed up here. They think that uh, at this point when Moses uh, finds out that they know that he jumped on his horse and took off. That's not what the Bible says. He didn't take off until Pharaoh says, let's kill this guy. Pharaoh's ticked off. He's going to kill him. So then Moses leaves. He goes out, and uh, 
gets married and settles down. He settles down, he's, he's living a great life, and then here we are in chapter 3, this is, this is where we came to. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Next one. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush, and Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. I don't know about you, but if I went out in my backyard, I grew up on a farm. If I went out on the farm and saw that, I don't know what I would do. I mean, here's a, I'd be like, I'd probably just be like, uh, I must be seeing things. I had to like call somebody to come down and look at this because I don't, have you ever seen a, I mean, if, if it's a blazing fire, it's going to burn up, right? So Moses said to him, this is amazing. Why isn't this bush burning up? I've got to go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on, the, on holy ground, the Lord warned. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. I keep on going. I want you to notice something here. The Lord's already telling Moses, here's what I'm planning on doing, okay? The Lord didn't wait for Moses to say, all right, let's go do it. What do you want me to do? The Lord's like, I, I've already got my guy. Now let me tell you what I'm going to do. Because I want you to know something. Sometimes God's already telling you what you're supposed to do before you know how you're going to do it. That doesn't mean you need to stop and say, God, I can't do it. You just need to wait and say, wait a minute, if God is telling me to do something, then maybe he's going to supply for it because he is God. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly Egyptians have used them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. So God is telling Moses, I'm taking you back to where you ran from. All right, you got this? You ever made a mistake? You ever made a mistake? You're just like, I made a mistake. I ain't going there. I ain't ever going back there. Moses made a mistake. Now he's, he's got to go back, and God's kind of prodding him. So we need to put this in a human perspective. We've got to understand that the people in the Bible are humans. They're not gods. Only God is God, okay? They're just humans. God uses them. So Moses protested to the Lord, who am I to appear, appear before Pharaoh? Well, remember, God, I killed this guy. I ran from there. Why would you call me to go to Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Man, I ran away. Why would you call me? I mean, there's... There's hundreds of thousands of people, and you're calling me to do this? So God answered, I'll be with you, and this is your sign. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. I don't know, you know, but at this point, Moses, I think Moses might have been thinking, this is my sign, that I'm going to come back and worship you. Well, that's great, but i got to go do it first. So let's keep on going. Moses protested. Okay, so, so here's the deal. 
Have you ever argued with God? If you have, say, hey, God, Moses argued with you too. So, you know, he, it, it turned out okay for him. But here, here Moses, again, he's arguing with God again. And he says, okay, the first thing didn't work. Let me try this again, God. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? I mean, you, you think you're going to stump God here, right, Moses? Have you ever tried to stump God? You're like, okay, God, you know, if, if you tell me, to, how am I going to get there? You know, I told a story a week or two ago about uh, Gladys Elward. She felt the Lord called her to China. She never asked that question. She just said, that's where I'm going. Everybody else was saying, well, how are you going to get there? I don't know. That's where God wants me to go. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob has sent me to you, and this is my eternal name, my name to be remembered for all generations. Now go, call together all the elders of Israel, tell them Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me and told me, I've been watching closely and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I promise to rescue you. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Continue. Next. The elders of Israel will accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey to the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. So God's, again, God's already telling him what we're going to be doing here. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So, Hang on, let's think about this a second. God says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go do all this stuff, but then I'm going to tell you something. Pharaoh's not going to let you go. How many of us stop right there? <laughs> well, if it ain't going to work, why well, go do it? I'll just stay home and watch TV. You know? See, I, I, what I'm wanting us to learn over the next couple of weeks or so is trust. We didn't, we, our trust issues so much of the time hinder us from becoming what God really needs us to become. I'm not saying we can't ask God a few things. But when God says, go to this person over here and talk to him about me, we start making excuses just like Moses has been doing here. And these are not the last excuses that he's going to make. But we, we say, well, but, but, but God, I... I I don't know the Bible very well. You know, maybe I've only been saved for a little bit of time. Or maybe I've been saved a long, long time and I'm just not very good. You know, I, I wasn't ever good at JBQ or I wasn't, you know, you, you know excuses. And that's really the, all they are. They're just excuses. Because really the problem is we haven't gained a trust in God that we should have. It's not his fault, it's our fault that we haven't gained this trust in God. And sometimes we step out to do something, but then we have to step back because we, I don't know. You know, it's easy to preach it. It's easy to talk about it. You ever been sitting around somebody, oh, just trust God. Just trust God. It's going to be good, okay? It's going to be great. And then a situation happens to you, and you're all flustered, and you're tears, and you're scared, and you're aggravated, and God, what am I in that? Oh, this is just a... It was easy when we were sitting with somebody else telling them to just trust God. And now we have to trust God. We have to trust God at this point. Why can't we do it? 
Why can't we trust God when we get to this point over here when it was so easy for us to tell somebody else to do it? The same thing. Many times it's because we're afraid that if we do something, it's not going to happen. See, Moses had already been warned it's not going to happen. Now, there's more to the story, of course, but Moses had already been warned, but many times we're afraid. We're afraid to pray for somebody because what if they don't get healed? Right? Sometimes I wonder how many people would be touched and be healed of their infirmities or what kind of miracles could occur if we stop saying, what if this doesn't happen? If It's amazing that people trust the lottery more than they trust God. I've got a one in a billion chances of winning one million dollars. So I will spend hundreds of dollars and never win. When we've got a God who says, trust in me with all your heart. Don't lean on what you understand. Depend on me, not on your own understanding. But we look at the other things around us and we say, oh, whoa, whoa. So what I want to say to you this morning, we're going to finish this up and we'll, we'll continue next week. What I want to say, I want you to be praying this morning. I want you to be praying right now. Eric, come on down. Uh, I want you to be praying. And I want you to start thinking and, and think about what God, you know, I, I, I love, you know, Connie steps out and says, hey, pastor, you know, uh, I'd love to do a prayer walk. And then she left it at that. And then we started doing a prayer walk. We had a great prayer walk. We're doing another one again the last Saturday of this month. So please be a part of that. We'll, we'll bring some more of that information to you, uh, times and everything. But she steps out, and then we go out, and, 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 and what I love to, to see is as she was sitting there at, at the pavilion or whatever you call that thing, and we're all sitting around, and I'm looking around at people just walking through the park and going, man, you know, what, what God, what are you going to do? Because somebody didn't say, mm, maybe, maybe I should, but what if it doesn't do anything? What if nobody shows up? How many times we make a decision because nobody shows up? Or we're afraid nobody's going to show up, right? But Connie, Connie didn't, I mean, she might have had those thoughts, but she went ahead and did it because she felt like the Lord was saying to do this. There's things that God is trying to speak to you into your life that you need to stop and you need to say, okay, God, I need to trust you in this because you've asked me to do it. Did you know that it's not your responsibility if God calls you to speak to somebody about salvation, it's not your responsibility to save them? It's just your responsibility to take the message? The Bible says that no one, no one goes to the Father except through Jesus. And the only way they're going to meet Jesus is if the Holy Spirit draws them there. So if you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you and you love Jesus, that's really all you need. All you've got to do is tell them. And, and I'm going to use, uh, I'm gonna use this, this analogy here, but I, I want you to understand that this is not all of it. They, they've done surveys, and they said that, I don't remember, a high percentage of people would go to church, but it's like nine out of every ten people have never been invited to church. Now, I'm not saying invite people to church so they'll get saved. I'm just, I'm just trying to use that analogy to say 
well, this person wouldn't, uh, you know, how do you know? If nine out of every ten people have never been invited to church, I'm going to guarantee you that even more, a higher percentage of that have never been told about Jesus, that he's a friend that sticks close to a brother. He's somebody who wants to change your life. He's someone who loves you so much, and he, he, he cares about you right where you are. And he can change your life. He can save you. He can lift you up. But instead, they lay down, and they die, and they go to hell because somebody didn't take the opportunity to speak to them because they didn't trust God. Moses didn't even have what we, we got the Bible. Moses didn't have that. We got the Bible everywhere. Man, it's pouring out of our phones. I mean, like I said, go down to Mardell's. What do you got? 2,000 Bibles there probably, if not more. I've got a bunch in my house, you know. I mean, there's Bibles everywhere. We've got it. We can read it. We can see what God has done in the past. Now we need to say, hey, God, we trust you. I am believing that God's going to speak to you this week to do something for him. And what you need to be praying is saying, God, when that comes, whatever you got, or maybe he's already speaking to you, that when that opportunity comes, I'm going to trust in you that you're going to do it. I'm going to trust in you that you're going to do it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for what you're doing in each and every person's life and how uh, every person that has come today, Lord, come to worship you today. Those who've come and, and uh, to receive the message, God, I just, I just pray as we go, Lord, through this week that uh, we will look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, that we'll look to you to know that that, God, if we will trust in you, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. If we'll trust in you, you can do mighty things in our lives. We can make a huge impact for, the, for you in, in eternity. Because we don't want to be like the Chinese man who asked the missionaries, what took you so long to get here? My father just died shortly before you got here. And he never heard about Jesus. And neither did my grandfather or my great-grandfather, so on and so forth. Lord, don't let us be the person that keeps somebody from going to heaven because we won't take the time to trust you to reach out to them. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Amen.